Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Miriam Udell. Miriam is Associate Professor of German Studies and Jewish Studies at Emory University, where her teaching focuses on Yiddish language, literature, and culture. She holds an A.B. in Near Eastern Languages and Civilizations from Harvard University, as well as a Ph.D. in Comparative Literature from Harvard University. Her academic research interests include 20th century Yiddish literature and culture, Jewish children's literature, and American Jewish literature. She's the author of Never Better, The Modern Jewish Picturesque, which received the 2016 National Jewish Book Award in Modern Jewish Thought and Experience. Miriam is also an alum of the Yiddish Book Center's Translation Fellowship. Welcome, Miriam. It's always such a pleasure to have a chance to visit with you, and we couldn't visit in person last summer, so um, it's equally as exciting when it's occasioned by the release of your work. So let's talk about the recently released Honey on the Page, an anthology of Yiddish children's literature and translation. Thank you, Lisa. It's wonderful to be with you. Um, uh, so tell me about the collection of work. Sure. So this is indeed the project that began during 2013 when I was part of the first cohort of translation fellows at the center. Um, it is a somewhat vast and certainly vastly ambitious anthology that is organized thematically um, that covers almost 100 years of Yiddish writing for children, for juvenile audiences. And the themes um, start out with the very distinctively Jewish, Jewish holidays and history. And then they move on to um, the more culturally Jewish folk tales, fairy tales, the idea of wise fools, um, and then the sorts of material that we see in children's literature across cultures, allegories, parables, fables, and then on to um, the idea of school, stories and poems that thematize school, and all that we learn outside of school in life's classroom. And finally, we end with the most universal theme of all, which is the family, but of course, with a distinctively Yiddish twist. So let's talk a little bit, if you would, about Yiddish children's literature as a genre, and also what drew you to it? Sure. So this project really grew out of a convergence of two pathways that I was on, and maybe a third pathway that I didn't even know I was on. So the, the two pathways are that I was teaching Yiddish language to Emory students, and I wondered at a certain point, are there authentic cultural materials that my students would be able to read in their second semester? Meaning, are there materials for children? And at the same time, I was a mother then to two boys, and I wondered what there might be in Yiddish that I would wish to share with them. And then the, the third pathway that I didn't even realize that I was on until several years into my work on Honey on the Page um, was that I, I ended up going to rabbinical school and being ordained as a rabbi. And I think there's a part of me that in my work with Yiddish is looking at it through rabbinical glasses and trying to um, find stuff that might be useful for the contemporary Jewish community. So it's really the convergence of all of these things. 
that pointed me toward this project. I guess I'd be curious to know how much material is there out there and maybe more to the point, how hard was it to curate the collection? Because it is a really extensive anthology. It's wonderful. Um, but I, I'm curious within that genre how much of Yiddish literature had been explored, how hard you had to, you know, and why you had to dig for it. Thank you. So it was, it was both um, overwhelmingly difficult and much easier than it might have been, and I will explain what I mean. Um, it, it was overwhelmingly difficult because we have about 1,000 freestanding extant books, and we have several periodicals, some of which ran for decades, like the Kinder Journal, which was sort of the Yiddish highlights for children. And so there is a tremendous amount of material, but people with a lot of foresight and wisdom had already made certain forays that made my task much easier. Um, and one of them is actually housed right at, on the website of the Yiddish Book Center, which is the Noah Kotzen Library of Yiddish children's literature, which includes um, little synopses of hundreds and hundreds of Yiddish texts by a group of, of volunteers who worked on this I'm not even sure, about 20 or 30 years ago. Um, and then there's also a wonderful book by the late Naomi Prower Kadar about the periodicals, the periodicals that were published in New York, particularly. So there had been a kind of initial excavation of some of that material. And because of the Coatsen Library, I was able to get a sense much more efficiently than would have otherwise been possible of what might be good to include in an anthology and what was not going to um, prove suitable for contemporary audiences. So originally, um, were these stories written for adults to read aloud? Um, and are they written, we always use the analogy for this of um, sort of Huckleberry Hound, the comic, which mm. has you know, it was written on two levels so that, uh, you know, a parent reading it aloud um, could enjoy aspects of it that would go over the head of the child but keep everybody engaged. So I'm wondering about the complexity and the thinking behind that in terms of audience. Sure. So it really varies. And I would say that the general rule is that over time, audiences become more age stratified. And that's true in the world in general, and it's true specifically in Yiddish. So when Jakob and Wilhelm Grimm started collecting fairy tales, they weren't thinking specifically of writing down stories for children. They were doing an ethnographic project trying to collect the authentic um, materials, story materials of the German folk. And then over 50 years, they revised what they had to make it more and more child-friendly as they understood that. And so there is a kind of parallel process where within Yiddish, we, we start to see the idea of publishing materials specifically for children emerge later around the turn of the 20th century. And it takes a while for the industry to catch up to that idea. And I mean that in many different respects. Um, there, there isn't initially a, a publishing apparatus. There aren't 
publishing houses, there isn't a register of the language. There isn't a distinctive diction that you would employ in speaking to children. Um, there isn't a sense that certain topics are really uh, more appropriate for children than others. So we see a really wide range of topics and language um, in stories that were being marketed for youth and for children, for Jugend und Kinder. And eventually the stratification takes hold and we do see the emergence of a Kinderloschen, of a, a more distinctive children's linguistic register. Um, we see children's presses or juvenile arms of established presses that emerge. Um, and a, a whole apparatus and a whole set of cultural structures to support the publication of material for children. Um, one of the, the terms that we use in, in critical children's literary studies a great deal is bisimi, or the idea of meaning or signifying on two levels for adult readers and for child readers. And one of the things that's so rich about a lot of this material is that it is really bisemic. You can read it quite profitably as an adult and have one understanding of a text. And at the same time, you can read it through a child's eyes and have a somewhat different understanding. It's interesting, Miriam, we spoke several years ago about children's literature, and it was a, such an interesting conversation. It always is with you. Uh, and I asked you a question, I guess, about sort of the, I don't know, the history, whatever, uh, of Yiddish children's literature. And, you know, in terms of the larger literature, canon, mm -hmm. what have you. And one of the interesting things that you explained was that its evolution was really in parallel with, you know, modern Jewish literature in general, so that mm -hmm. it evolved and, and it developed and, um, and became its own thing simultaneously with other aspects of Yiddish literature. Yes. So I, I think what I would emphasize now is that Yiddish children's literature really arises in tandem with Yiddish cultural nationalism. And the extent to which creating this literary tradition for children was an act of political cultural will. The presses that I alluded to a moment ago emerge and the distribution systems emerge out of political parties that are in turn allied with school systems, with secular schooling systems. And then those secular school systems need pedagogical materials to put before children. And so we see the emergence of this whole publishing culture. So it's really, um, it's intimately bound up with the history of Yiddish schooling and Yiddish politics and, and Yiddish schooling as a means of, of Yiddish political agitation and consciousness building. And then the other thing that I would say about the emergence of Yiddish children's literature is that it comes about during the early decades of the 20th century when we are really starting to see the widespread diffusion of 
the invention of childhood. And what I mean by that is the idea that children are in a distinctive psychological phase of their lives, that they are in a particularly impressionable time, a vulnerable time, but also a, a period of life when um, you can really be um, sort of built up intellectually and set on a path ideologically, and that there is a kind of special status to this juvenile period, which requires its own distinctive reading materials. So that's something special about Yiddish children's literature emerging precisely when it does. And it's interesting to look at many of the names of the Yiddish writers who penned these pieces. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a surprising number of them who are names that are recognizable to me, sort of the, you know, not not the scholar of Yiddish literature, but somebody who's familiar with some names. Were you surprised to find that these writers had penned children's stories? So one of the... Um... One of the most energizing aspects, I think, of working on this book and doing the work that I am now as a follow-up, which is a critical study of Yiddish children's literature, um, is summed up in a phrase that I saw in an article about the American children's literary tradition in English, which described the 19th century as a time when majors wrote for minors. And I think that throughout the whole of Yiddish children's literature, that's true, that almost every major literary figure wrote at least something for children. It was almost like a, a sort of cultural badge of honor. You had to do your part for the next generation. And some of them really kind of took this activity and ran with it, like Kadya Molodovsky or, or Isaac Besheva Singer, and others wrote their one or two stories and kind of moved back into the realm of writing for adults. But some of those stories, like the Moisha Kulbach story that I include in the anthology, are absolute treasures. Which, which leads me to ask you, is there one for you that's a favorite, or is there one that really sort of became pivotal, something that connected all of them? Oh, it's so hard. It's really like being asked about your favorite child. Um, <laughs> I, have, I have so many different ways that I feel bonded to these stories. Um, I think last time we spoke, I might have mentioned that Kulbach story about the wind that got angry. That was one of the very few that was not already available as a PDF scan from the website when I started the project, although it is, it is now. Um, and I happened to find it at the New York Public Library in microfiche. And when I saw the date stamp on the microfiche, it was from sometime in the summer of 1976. And I was born in September of 1976. So I saw it and I had this keen sense like, okay, the story was put away for you as you were just about to be born, as you were you know, formed in the womb, and the story was waiting for you. Um, so there's that sort of a bond with, with that story. Um, there is the story of Boots and the Bath Squad, which is a rhyming narrative poem by Leib Kvitko about a 
grubby, schlubby little boy named Boots who really doesn't want to take a bath. And I thought that the poem was delightful. I thought it had echoes of Shel Silverstein, um, whose work I grew up on, and I knew I wanted to include it. And at the time that I started working on these translations in 2013, I think I was just not a confident enough translator to deal with several pages of rhyming verse. So I made a very plodding, prosaic translation and just set it aside and kind of forgot about it and finished the whole rest of the volume. And when everything else was done in mm, summer of 2018, 2019, um, I took it back out and I thought, okay, low stakes, let's just give this a try. And I ended up having the best time turning it into rhyming verse in English. Great. And do you test the stories on the kids? Oh, they're the focus group. Absolutely. <laughs> Great. Um, well, it's certainly uh, an ambitious undertaking and one we've been eager to see come to publication. The timing is great. No better time to settle in with a book right now and um, <laughs> get off of the screen and onto the page uh, with some reading. So um, thank you. And again, it's Honey on the Page. It's New York University Press. Miriam Udell is the translator, and it's available everywhere, yes? Wherever books are sold. Okay, so it will be at shop.yiddishbookcenter.org as well as everywhere else. Um, so I urge everybody to get a copy. Thanks so much for doing you know, all that you do with translation and also for contextualizing it for all of us. I think no matter what the age, this is an anthology that you can dip in and out of, and it's just amazing. Lisa, it is such a pleasure to speak with you, especially because we spoke when it was in progress and now being able to bring the book to fruition and talk with you about it. It's a machaya. And let me add too, by the way, um, the illustrations are wonderful. Yes, Paula Cohen, whom I met at the Tent Fellowship at the Yiddish Book Center, um, did spectacular new illustrations for the volume. It's wonderful, yeah, because I, I, when I think we spoke in its incubation, um, we weren't sure about illustrations, but it just it holds together so well. So, again, I urge all of our listeners, no matter what your age is, there's many stories in here which you will dip into and probably go back to. Um, so thanks again, and I hope you're working on your next project, please. Yes, it's the critical study and also the full translation of Lobzik, or Leftist Lassie. So if you like the chapters about him in Honey on the Page, there's a lot more where that came from. Excellent. Well, thanks. Um, stay well, and thanks again for visiting with us virtually. Thank you, Lisa. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Sarah Blakefeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon.